Chapter Six, The Letter. Susan removed the letter from the light pink envelope and could smell Karen's scent on the stationery. The fragrance brought her back to when she and Karen were in high school. This letter is scented. Karen scented the letter for me. Oh, isn't that sweet? It smells just like her too. Susan noted. I wouldn't know. I've never sniffed your sister. Will you please read the letter? The suspense is killing me," said Harry. Susan looked around to ensure none of the kids were within earshot, but they were all still asleep. Okay, here we go. It says, "Hi, sis. If you're reading this letter, then I've died. It was just a matter of time before he killed me." Before who killed her, Rick? Asked Harry. I don't know. What in the world? Replied Susan. We haven't been getting along for over a year now, and I've asked him for a divorce, but he refuses due to the children. He said if I file for a divorce, he'll kill me. I guess he wasn't making just idle threats because here we are. I hate to lay this in your lap, Susan. But you are the only one I can trust to protect my kids. Go to the police and tell them that Rick killed me. I don't know if they already have figured that out, but the kids need to be taken away from him before he hurts or kills one of them in a drunken stupor. Never let an alcoholic own a bar. It's a disaster waiting to happen. Holy crap! I can't believe this. Rick killed her sister. Harry said, "No." Rick and Karen died together in the car crash. It was a drunk driver, remember? Said Susan. But he was planning on killing her, or at least that's what your sister believed. What else does she say? Asked Harry. Also, and this is very important, Susan. Don't let Rick's parents get my kids. They're crazier than Rick. If he gets arrested for murdering me. They'll fight to get custody. We gave you and Harry custody in our will, but that only applies if both Rick and I are deceased. Otherwise, the remaining parent would retain custody, as it is in most cases, except in this case where the surviving parent is a murderer. For you to get my kids, Rick would have to die. I don't know how you can stop his parents from getting them, but you have to try your best. Little does she know that we're still in the middle of a custody battle, even though Rick is dead," said Harry. "This is so bizarre. I wonder if the kids were in fear of their father. They never mentioned anything, and Rose is always talking about her daddy in such a loving manner," said Susan. "Is there more to the letter?" asked Harry. "Yes, let me see. But you have to try your best, Susan." I'm so afraid, not for myself but for my kids. Victor is already acting out and realizes he's adopted. Rick has always treated him second best compared to his biological children's girls. If I file for divorce, he'll kill me for sure. What am I saying? He already did. Maybe tell the police that, and they can see if I filed for divorce or not. I love you, sis. Sorry to dump this on you. But you have always been my rock. My best to Harry, love, Karen. So now what do I do?
Rick is dead as well. I don't know what to do next, said Susan. We have to send a copy of that letter to our attorney. He can use it at the hearing, showing that Karen did not want Rick's parents to have custody of the kids, said Harry. This will get very messy if we do that, Harry. Maybe we should just keep the letter to ourselves unless we have to use it. I don't want to make the kids aware of the situation. It'll break their hearts, especially little Rose, Susan said. I see what you're saying. You have to be careful if you go to the police with this. They'll start asking lots of questions and we'll need to talk to the kids, said Harry. Go to the police and say what? My dead sister thinks that her dead husband is going to kill her? They'll lock me up, Susan said. Well, then, what are we supposed to do? Just pretend we never got the letter, said Harry. We start fighting as hard as possible to keep the kids. We cannot let Rick's parents get their hands on them, Susan replied. That they must stay with us, and we will make that happen. At that moment, Victor walked into the kitchen. Make what happen, Aunt Susan? What's going on? He asked. Susan folded the letter and placed it back in the envelope as she replied, Decorating this massive house. Harry doesn't think it can happen, and I told him we can do it if we all work together. We will make this happen. Sure we can, Uncle Harry. I'll be happy to help. I'll ask Lindsay to come over and help as well, Victor replied in an unusually chipper mood. Well, that would be great, Victor. I could really use your help. Thank you, Harry said. But before we tackle a major project on a cold November Thanksgiving day, we need to put in some tummy-warming food inside everyone. Pancakes, waffles, sausages, ham, all the above? What's your pleasure? Susan asked. It all sounds great. I remember how every Sunday my dad would make a big breakfast. I miss him, said Victor. Even though he didn't treat you as well as the girls, asked Harry. Susan shot Harry a look as if to say, shut up. Victor answered Harry. I know he loved his girls, but I never felt that he didn't love me even though I was adopted. You guys know I was adopted, right? Let's see, you have a dark complexion, dark eyes, dark hair, and Spanish features, while your sisters have albinism with red hair, blue eyes, and freckles. Gee, I never picked up on that before, Harry said. <laughs> Victor laughed. Come on, Uncle Harry, is it that obvious? Yes, Victor, it is that obvious. But you realize that an adopted child is even more special than a biological one. An adopted child is chosen to be loved by their parents. You were lucky to have great parents. I only wish I could do half as well for you guys. You're fighting for us in the custody battle, right, Uncle Harry? Victor asked. Yes, Victor, we are, very much so, Harry answered. Then you're choosing to love me, too. You could just bail on us and let us go to Grandma and Grandpa, but you're not doing that. And whether you realize it or not, we appreciate your decision, said Victor. Susan, caught off guard as she was breaking eggs for frying, said, Victor, you have matured so much in the last nine months. It's amazing. We are so happy that you feel that way. Aunt Susan, 
I have to admit that Lindsay's helped me. She helps me with my classes. She introduced me to her friends who are not a bunch of hoodlums like my buddies. And she looks out for me. She keeps me out of trouble. Then we need to get her something extraordinary for Christmas. Invite her to join us for Thanksgiving dinner. If she wants to help with the decorating, that's great. But she doesn't have to do that. I'm sure she has her own family home to decorate. Oh, my, she's probably required to dine with her folks, isn't she? Susan asked. I think she can do both. Her mom is quite sick with breast cancer and can't eat much. Her dad died when she was just a baby when he served in Vietnam, Victor said. Is her mom able to get around? I mean, she could come over as well, Susan asked. She still drives and stuff. I'll ask Lindsay if they both want to come over for dinner, Victor replied. Speaking of dinner, we need to get that turkey out of the garage and into the oven if we want to eat this evening. It's a big one, said Harry. Don't ever have your uncle shop for Thanksgiving dinner. He bought the largest turkey I have ever seen. I don't know if it'll fit in the oven. We might have to use the grill, said Susan. As Susan prepared breakfast, the smell of bacon frying found its way to the second floor where the girls were still asleep. Almost simultaneously, Caitlin's and Rose's eyes opened slowly as their mouth salivated for a crispy slice of bacon. They both got out of bed, adorned a robe, and made their way down the stairs to the kitchen. What smells so good? asked Rose. Breakfast. Do you want waffles or pancakes? Susan asked. Caitlin was so surprised that her aunt was cooking. What's the special occasion, Aunt Susan? She asked. It's Thanksgiving, and we all have a lot to be thankful for, even though we lost two exceptional people in our lives a year ago today. We can either mope around all day or celebrate their lives with joy and kindness, making this a new beginning for all of us, answered Susan. What do you guys think? Can we honor Mom and Dad by embracing the holiday, or do we continue to blame them and ourselves for them leaving us? I, for one, am tired of blaming myself. I can't do it anymore, said Victor. I never blamed you or them or myself. We'll all be together again one day, said Rose. What about you, Caitlin? What do you think? asked Victor. I'm still angry that they died, but I no longer blame them for dying. It wasn't their fault. I can move on, but not all the way. I'll try not to be quite as bitchy as usual, and I'll have pancakes. Caitlin said as Victor put his arm around her, and their eyes filled with tears. Okay, then, let's all have a good breakfast, and then we can decorate the house before our first Thanksgiving dinner in the house on Festive Lane, said Harry. I do have one question, Harry. What do you plan on decorating the house with? asked Susan. Crap, I guess I have to go shopping for decorations, replied Harry. Oh, no, you don't, Harry Hill. If I let you go shopping by yourself, you'll get the largest wreath, the brightest star, and the most obnoxious inflatables and a million lights. If you wanted that type of display, you needed to start decorating in August, said Susan. 
I promise it will be very conservative, although I did see an inflatable Santa his sled, all twelve moose, and like twenty dwarves. It was larger than this house. Uncle Harry, there were not twelve moose. They were reindeer, and there were eight plus Rudolph if the weather was bad. They're called elves, not dwarves, and twenty sounds like quite a lot of them for an inflatable. Where did you see this supposed inflatable? Asked Caitlin. I think it was at Macy's or Sears, not sure which one, he replied. Then we'll have to go to both. I'll go with you, said Caitlin. Me too. I want to tell Santa what I want for Christmas, added Rose. Rose, how old are you again? Ten years old, right? Asked Harry. Yes, and I know all about the Santa Ruse. At that age, I sometimes believe, and sometimes I don't. But I figure I'm better to give the guy another shot. You never know, she replied. I still believe in Santa, but not as a real person. I think of Santa as more like a feeling of kindness and giving during the Christmas season, said Caitlin. I was pretty pissed off at Santa last year because of what happened to Mom and Dad, but... I was pissed off at everyone, including God. You're no longer angry with God, Caitlin, Rose asked. No, I think I'm more disappointed than angry. Mom and Dad gave a lot to St. Patrick's Church every week. I remember Dad saying that God would take care of everything if he gave at least 10% to the church. I guess I feel like Dad got shortchanged, Caitlin replied. Is that why you told the priest at the funeral service to go screw himself? Asked Harry. That asshole had the balls to ask us for a $500 donation to the church for performing the service. I told him that my dad had donated more than his share and look where it got him. I was so angry at that jerk, Caitlin said as her body language became aggressive. Take it easy, Caitlin. It's just us here with you. No priests. You okay? asked Susan. <laughs> I get so mad just thinking about it, Caitlin said. Well, it's okay now. Let's eat breakfast and then you, Rose, and Harry can go shopping for decorations. At the same time, Victor and I will pull out the tools and ladders from the garage and basement, said Susan as the family sat at the kitchen table counter for what was their first meal together as a family. After breakfast, Harry showered and dressed. He and the girls took Susan's SUV because it was larger than Harry's Mercedes and Harry was in a shopping mood. They headed over to Macy's and found everything they were looking for, including large red bows to hang from the coach lights on the garage and porch, a giant 72-inch wreath for over the garage door, two inflatables of Santa and his reindeer, 30 boxes of 100-strand lights to decorate the bushes, and a couple of mechanical figures that would surely drive Max the dog crazy. 5 p.m. at 148 Festive Lane. As the sun was setting fast, Harry and Susan were hurrying to finish getting the lights around the windows and hanging from the roof line. Wow, 3,000 lights didn't even make a dent on the front of this house. I need to go back and get another 25,000 or so, stated Harry. 
Not tonight, Harry. We have to get cleaned up and ready for dinner. Victor will be here soon with Lindsay and her mom. We'll go there tomorrow. Maybe they'll have a sale for Black Friday, Susan said. I'm pretty sure they will, but I wanted to get some decorations on the house today so that the neighbors didn't think we were Scrooges. Oh, speaking of neighbors, here comes Charlie. Brace yourselves for a one-sided conversation, Harry told Susan as he began his descent down the ladder. Hi there, my name is Charlie. I live next door. I met Harry this morning. You must be one of his daughters. So nice to meet you, Charlie said as he extended his hand towards Susan. His daughter... <laughs> I like you already, Charlie. No, I'm Harry's wife. My name is Susan. Harry decided to rob the cradle when he married me, she said as she shook hands with Charlie. Rob the cradle. You're only four years younger than I am, noted Harry. Yes, and when you're in your fifties, I'll still be in my forties, Susan debuted. Only a four-year difference. Wow, I was sure that Susan was at least ten years younger than you, Harry, said Charlie. Charlie, from the smile I see on her face, I'm sure you're about to be invited over for Thanksgiving dinner by my lovely wife, but keep up the wise-ass remarks and I can see that you do the dishes, said Harry. I'm just pulling your leg, Harry, but Susan is very young-looking. I'd guess you aren't over 32, but that would make Harry 36, and there's no way Harry is 36. Just because I lost some of my hair early in life doesn't mean I couldn't be 36, Harry offered. Some try most of your hair, but I like the way the sun shines off of it. And don't forget the extra 30 pounds you're carrying around these days. Grow a white beard and we'll have to start calling you Santa, not Harry, Susan joked. The last few years I haven't gotten enough exercise, but now with the kids I'm losing weight. Harry noted proudly as he continued, Besides, my darling wife, you've gained a few pounds, too. I have not. Where? She asked in a very defensive tone. Put it this way, I think you should start rubbing toilet paper between your breasts to make them larger, Harry said. Why would that make my breasts larger? She asked. I don't know, but it worked great on your ass. Harry! Nice way to talk about your lovely wife in front of the neighbor, she said as she giggled about his teasing. Boy, you two are pretty funny. I can't wait for you two to meet my wife Fiona and our twins, Joshua and Julia. And no, Susan, they're not identical, said Charlie. Why, of course not. I assume Joshua has a penis, said Susan. Harry asked me that question this morning, so I didn't want you to make the same mistake, Charlie said. Susan looked at Harry, pointed, and started to laugh. Hey, it was frickin' seven in the morning. I hadn't had my coffee yet. I made a simple mistake. Oh, brother, I will never hear the end of this. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks a lot, said Harry. No problem, neighbor. It's getting pretty dark out. I guess I had better fire up the lights on my house to make sure none are out, Charlie said. That's a good idea, Charlie. I think I'll turn the switch on ours as well said Harry as he walked towards the front door, opened it, and reached around the corner. Flip! The lights all lit up instantly and looked very nice. Large bulbs that would change colors with music, the inflatables inflated, and the mechanical figures began to move and gesture. Wow, that looks great, Harry! I love those mechanical figures, Charlie said. As they stepped back to get a better, more expansive view, Charlie's wife Fiona yelled for him from next door.
Charlie, come on, dinner is almost ready. Stop screwing around over there. Okay, honey. Hey, flip the main switch so I can check the lights. Charlie asked. In less than five seconds, the entire block seemed to be lit up. Charlie's house was covered with lights from top to bottom, and the glow was unbelievable. Holy crap! How many lights did you use? Asked Harry. Um, about two hundred fifty thousand. I need to get a few more strings," said Charlie. "Charlie, that's incredible. Your house is well—it's glowing," said Harry as he stared in amazement at Charlie's house. Then he turned back towards his house and shook his head. "Well, I'd better get home before the wife sicks the twins on me. If you're up to it, stop over later for coffee or a drink. Love to have you," said Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. But we're having our first Thanksgiving dinner together as a family, so I think we'll be staying in this evening. But thank you for the invite," said Susan as she put her arm around Harry to console him for being outshined by the neighbors. First dinner together? Charlie asked with a puzzled look on his face. It's a long story and one for another time. Have a very happy Thanksgiving, Charlie. Susan said as she and Harry started back towards the garage. Thanks, Susan and Harry. Talk to you soon," said Charlie as he made his way back home. At that exact moment, Victor pulled into the driveway with Harry's Mercedes. He was bringing Lindsay and her mother to Thanksgiving dinner.